You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. So we are in our season of Vision Builders. We are moving along, and here we are together on one of the most profound and important days or weekends that our country has. It's not the easiest of tasks to bring honor to the level that we always wish we can. But then again, being Christians and being in this church, we are quite familiar with that. Because honor for those who have served and lost is very similar to honor for our Lord Jesus that sacrificed all. So it is going to be my attempt to call into you to honor those who have served, who have lost. But we're going to do so by calling you on what your service is. Um, And I can speak from experience. Uh, I believe I do have a photo somewhere. Yes. I was in the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard is a military service. I know I just educated somebody in here. We do have guns. Yes, it is not. It is not the Army. It's not the Navy. It's not the Air Force, not the Marines. But we are not that bad, okay? We are the smallest service, less than the size of the New York Police Department. And if you are a younger sibling like I am, you learn something from your older siblings. You learn what not to do how not to get caught, Um, but you also take those lessons. And so I actually have the distinct honor that in this message today, as we start paying tribute to some of those other stories, some of the history that our nation has, of the military and what they were expected to do, and those that lost, is that it was actually those other services that taught me. By the way, if you didn't notice, the Coast Guard started wearing masks before they were trendy, all right? Yeah, when we had a purpose. So um, you know what they say about trends? If you did it the first time, you don't have to do it the second time. It gets past you, all right? So don't, don't fall into every trend, everybody. You guys can remove that one. Uh, so as we get going, It's on my heart to believe that every American soldier, sailor, every airman, every Marine, man, woman that has lost their life has done something in such a profound, they have done an exchange, they have gifted to you and me. Gifted, and I say gifted in a way that there's actually an exchange. There is is not a single service member that doesn't step out onto a battlefield or onto a line without believing in their cause to some extent. And I'll dive into that more. But there's something, there's conviction in their heart. There's, there's a, a motive behind it. But when, when they sacrifice, that conviction doesn't stop. It continues to go. Uh, we know John 3.16, for, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever so believe 
in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's, it's, it's like the pillar. It's one of our foundational things that we understand as Christians that we preach here to awaken. In that exchange at the cross that Jesus did for our salvation, for our life, think about what a service member does. Bring up John 15, 13 for me. For there is no greater love Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for their friends. That is the essence of our military. That is, that is, that is the motive in which allows somebody's sacrifice to actually not just be of goodwill, good nature, it's a kingdom principle. It is so unique. And I say that because there are studies on this. So what if I told you that the military was like, oh, you know what? It's not about a brotherhood or a sisterhood. There's going to be more. There's obviously, we have finances. There's always these troubles. Why'd you enter the military? Why would you go running into battle? Ah, oh, well, I needed the money. It was my job. Now, the military took the opportunity, and they looked at it, and they said, okay, it can't be this. It can't be for this reason alone. When asking soldiers, sailors, Marines, coming straight out of battle, they said, why did you go into that firefight? Why did you earn that silver star for valor, that bronze star for valor? More often, 80% and more, because my brother went too. Wow. I did it for them. Wow. Tell me somebody else who we know who did it for us. The exchange at the cross yeah, is just like that exchange for freedom. Wow. Now, there are other reasons. I did it for my country. I did it because it was my duty. I did it because I saw the impact I was doing on those people in that land. All of them have the same heart, the same kingdom kind of principles. And so when any service member raises that, that right hand and says, I do solemnly swear their name that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. They are pledging their allegiance and they're placing their faith in the Constitution that says we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The exchange given by every soldier, sailor, airman, anybody who lost their life is so that you can pursue your life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So knowing that that is now the exchange, I ask you, are you doing it? Are you living your part of the bargain? 
are you fulfilling every calling, every opportunity on life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness? Life should be easy. I, I, I'll tell you what, life is here. Life is the smile that I see with every single one of you in these times right now when some devil wants to take that away from you, you are doing life and it is the life that you bring. It is the light that you shine. So I commend you. At Awaken, we have the liberty. We're not afraid to take our amendment rights our, our right to gather, our right, our freedom of religion, the right to stand here and worship and praise the Lord Almighty for everything that he does. We're not going to surrender that one either. <laughs> Which leads us to the pursuit of happiness. It's actually the hardest one to do. It's the one that the devil wants to take away from you. So as we're in vision builders, because vision builders is more than the vision of the church. The church is going to grow. We are going to expand. We have the vision that we share with you. We come into submission because it is our mission as Christians to create more opportunities for others, to see those blessings, to grow, to, to thrive. But so we have that problem in our own pursuit of happiness. Some of you might have stepped through in this last year and you might have been able to gain some ground. Some of you might be for the first time taking your first steps to what kingdom ground would look like. But here's the reality. In every battle, which battles are primarily about territory, when you gain ground, the devil is going to be trying to take that right back. There is nothing more frustrating than losing ground, being in the stalemate, having control or dominion, and then having it ripped from you, which is what we are doing, which is what our mission, our God-given mission is as Christians. So in Vision Builders, as you start to enlarge and expand, whether it be your business, whether it be how you are doing life, whether it be your calling or a new home, the devil's going to come for you. And today's message is holding the high ground. High ground's important. Everybody up there can tell me this, right? I cannot see you at all. I think that gentleman might be smiling. No, now that I pointed him out, he's not smiling. But uh, when you have the high ground, you have a position of vantage. You can look down. You can see more. The high ground was very important uh, as David took on Goliath because Goliath was at the bottom of the valley calling out, who can challenge me? David got to look at him and size him up all the way down, knowing how victory was going to play out. So when you have that position of advantage, you need to hold it. But it's a little bit different because we're not on top of a mountaintop. We're not in Europe in the 1940s. This is not the human jungles of Vietnam. It's definitely not the arid deserts in the Middle East. But yet we have a position of advantage. God has anointed you as Christians to be up onto the throne and next to him. 
And that is where your high ground begins. I'll pause. Somebody's, somebody got it. But what, is, what does the valley look like? Anxiety. Feelings of doubt. Deauthorization of yourself. Struggling marriage. A bad medical diagnosis. It looks grim. Loneliness. That is the valley and that is where spiritual battles are lost. So as we think about our battlefield, we need to understand that it borders. Our battlefield borders when you wake up, that very first thought in your mind in the morning with that first breath, and it extends all the way to your last conscious thought at night. For somebody in here, you actually might be in a battlefield in this very sanctuary. Coming in here and sitting down might have been a hard thing for you to do, but you're actually in that battle taking those steps. So do understand that in your battlefield, it's everywhere. It's everywhere if you can allow it. And if you allow those thoughts, if you allow those challenges, if you allow adversity or your ish to get into your face and get in your way, First Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom they may devour. If you are allowing those thoughts, those frustrations, those feelings, those emotions to run your day, the devil is going to see you as an easy target or what we call a soft target. So even though your battlefield can be anywhere, you have to remember that you have that position of advantage. So it's on you to start taking that fight back. It's on you to, it's on you to take those steps. Take those steps so that you understand where it is. And I don't even know if they even put it up, but that step one is knowing your battlefield. Know that it's up to you in every moment, in every thought, in the first thing that you do in the morning, which could be as simple as just thanking God and praying over the day. That is the beginning of your battlefield. You can win it in the very first thought of the day. I guarantee it will carry through the majority of that day. Now that you understand where your battle feels, you also have to understand that holding that high ground, being in a battle all the time, you don't have to take it as is. In the military, what we like to do is we like to increase our position of advantage. We like to fortify our position. We like to dig in and hunker down. <laughs> yeah, we do. And the reason why is you don't have to stand there back in the Civil War times where everybody would line up looking sharp and then get pegged really easy. It's hard to miss when everybody just lines up. So... If you got some high ground, if you got a position, you need to entrench, you need to dig in, you need to fortify that. And so as we fortify it, because we know the attack is coming, 
That's what your next step is. Fortify that position to dig in. Fortifying the position looks a little bit different. In 1945, 46, I believe, actually, 1945, excuse me, and 1946, December 16th, the German Panzer Army pressed against the fighting line that separated the Allies, which was primarily the Americans, and the German division. Their goal was to do one last push to press the Americans back towards France because they were already entering into Eastern Europe. They went with such ferocity that it, if you were to draw a perfect line on a map, it looked like the devil had taken and just scooped a whole place of terrain and redefined it because the army from the Germans pressed in 70 miles deep and 50 miles wide. In doing this, because when you looked at the map, it looked like there was a bulge, and thus began the Battle of the Bulge. It lasted only for about 30 days, from uh, 16th of December on to just past about, I think, the 24th of January. But when doing this, the city of Bastogne, which was right in the center edge of where that bulge was, it was primarily occupied by the Americans, the 101st Army Airborne Division. What they did is they circled around and they maintained that position and were cut off. Now the army dug in. Digging in looks like this. That's about two feet. That's as deep as you had to go. It takes two feet of digging in so that all of the mortars, all of the artillery, everything that's being dropped on your position cannot hit you. Now, if you were the improved position and you were the machine gunner, yeah, you would get a little bit more space, but you would only get two feet is where you would sleep at night. And so each location would dig and dig. You would have to bounce from position to position to position to position in only two feet. For five days, 11,000 troops held off 54,000 German army member, uh, brigade. They could hear them at night laughing in the tree line, thinking that it was already won because they knew that they were surrounded. Digging in is the most fundamental, the most simple way, but it looks different in the spiritual. Two feet in the spiritual looks like Psalm 18.2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. If you want to dig in, this is two feet. This is all it is. It's even easier than that. Two feet doesn't mean every single day I'm going to go into something new. The truth is, is that if you are in a battle, you find a scripture. You can take one, and you can hold on and clinch on to that, and that will be your two feet of salvation 
It will get you through five days of siege and bastone. And the devil won't even hit you. So when you need two feet, pick a word. Open it up. Find a line. And when you find one that hits your heart, don't let it go. If it's, the, if it's the same one that you use, I use the same line, the same scripture. Almost every single time, I'm like, that applies here too. <laughs> Someone comes up to me, they say, hey, I'm really going through this tough time. I'm like, well, I only know one. Now, I know more than one. <laughs> but that's all you need because the word is equally profound. It doesn't matter if you're in page one in Genesis, you flip all the way back to whatever 600 plus that I have. It is equally profound and strong, and it is going to be able to carry you through your hardest time. Now, for contrast on Bastone, I have a photo, if you guys can bring it up. It's going to be the older one. The Battle of the Bulge was our military in World War II. It was the largest and most casualty-driven battle. Um, as you can see here, this is actually in Luxembourg, which is just near the border. We buried more American troops, approximately 75,000 casualties in a war that was about 400,000 total. To this day, World War II, remains the most casualty-driven, sacrificial war on foreign soil that we ever have. The only battle that ever surpasses it is when we fought ourselves. I bring this one up, and this is near and dear, because I, I like to study 101st Airborne. My grandfather jumped into Normandy he did not make it to the bulge. He actually, uh, he did survive the war. He was uh, extracted out of Caritan, which is just before, because a panzer tank shot a shell right into the building that they were digging and climbing into the basement. He woke up about seven days later, is what I've been told, uh, in France, where he remained until he can go back stateside. I've been reading a book uh, that actually has his exploits. But what's even more profound is that the stories he could never share and tell, for the first time in my life, I've been able to read. Um, he's since passed, but I got to share one other opportunity. As I said, that uh, in my Coast Guard career, uh, I learned from every service. I had the honor of going to Fort Benning, Georgia, and jumping with the United States Army, becoming airborne qualified. And so to this day, when I think of sacrifice and I think of lost, uh, even though I've even had friends within my own service that have passed uh, in the Iraq war, nothing holds more true to knowing what that generation did. When I think of today's times, and I think of what society likes to do in the news and the media, I think back to what this generation will think and believe. This is, 
this is my staple and foundation. And it's an honor to actually share on some of their exploits today. You can remove that one for me if you don't mind, because it's, it slows me down. That's all right. We've all heard stories about the Band of Brothers. It's as true as it comes. It was true for the 101st, which is actually where they modeled that, uh, that series off of. Uh, good old 101st Easy Company, first of the 506. The Band of Brothers is true. They survived because they were united, because they had strength. And so as you start taking ground and you start understanding and entrenching in the word, I, I know with all my heart, there are going to be times where you feel like that entrenchment is not enough. There's going to be times where you feel like those darts are going to continue to land, that the shells are coming, and no matter how, dig, how much you dig, how deep you go, you're going to be challenged. Well, our country, we don't fight alone, so you don't need to fight alone here either. Rally your troops. When I say rally your troops, I think of Samuel. Not this Samuel. First Samuel. <laughs> you too, I do think of you, sorry. In First Samuel 22, David had left Gath, and I'm going to paraphrase because of time, but David left Gath. He was just trying to run from Saul, and he was looking for salvation. He was looking for a place to hide. It was one of the first times in his entire life where he was on the run. He was scared. I mean, he had the Lord. He took down a giant. Ow. And yet here he's running from, from Saul as if the Lord was no longer with him. He finds himself in the cave of Adullam, and he gets in there, and that's where his family found him. For when they knew that he went there, his family, his brothers joined him. And then it actually comes in and says, all those who were distressed or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander and they were about 400. In his biggest weakness, David found himself in a place where others surrounded him and gave him some strength. And they weren't perfect. They were, they were not uh, special forces at the time. But they actually had the word. They had God's grace. They had God's blessings. They had God's gifts. And when they were around each other, they emerged much different. And I love the cave because it sounds like a merge. Everybody, every man that came there came something with a burden. Every man comes in with something that they just should not be carrying. Their doubts, their frustrations, their past, the history, their bad decisions. Even the, And yeah, they brought their good ones too. When the devil comes, surround yourself with those who will stand on that line with you. Really? At Awaken, we have that. We have women's prayer, cherished prayer in the mornings, men's prayer in the mornings. 
we have a Pathfinders internship because guess what? The devil wants to attack you in the business, in the marketplace. Yeah, we've got, we got a battalion for that too. If you're struggling through life and you are having problems of addiction, if you're trying to peel off some of those things or those decisions in the past, we have awakened recovery. There is no greater place than to find a group within this church, a connect group, who's going to walk through life, bring up the word, and help you overcome whatever it is that you're battling. There is no greater strength than a friend. But a friend who will share the word, that's, that's a warrior for life. I'm going for my fourth one. I'm looking at my time. I'm like, oh, goodness. But we're going to go for it. Because you know what? No, give me encouragement. I need it. If you take anything, any points at all today, I challenge you to take this fourth one. Your fourth point to hold your high ground is just win your war. And I know that sounds easy, but again, you're on the high ground. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Your war is already won. As long as you can cling on to a mustard seed of faith, the smallest amount of faith, understand that you're going to get through it. You're gonna trudge through those valleys. You're gonna get in low crawl through those that mud pit, you're gonna get to the other side. God will see you through it because he has already won this battle. There is nothing in your life that God does not already have that answer to. So even when it's your hardest moment, when you're feeling that there's doubt, frustration, you have friends, you have the word, most of all, God's is already there. He is there. He is the same powerful king on the throne that created this amazing universe as he is today. So what we'll do is that rather than entering into our salvation prayer, I'm going to I'm gonna open up and I'm just going to ask and, and have a prayer for all of us who might be going through something. All of those who we felt like we took some ground this week or last year, but sometimes it feels like I'm starting to backslide. And I do believe at the end, we'll even open up the altar too so that we can, we can actually get with you and we can help battle a little bit more. 
So if you felt that you had that great year, that you went forward, that everything was looking good, and all of a sudden, it was ripped from you. And you can bow your heads. If you feel that every time you take a step forward, you feel like there's two steps back. Or if you feel that you never even knew that you could do this, that there was a God fighting for you. If you've got something in your life that you need to win today, I just ask you, raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Hands across, hands up everywhere. Thank you. I see them, but he sees you. Thank you, Lord. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for being the King of Peace. We thank you for being the King of Hope. We thank, we thank you for the King of Love. We know, Heavenly Father, that you see us. You see us in our most vulnerable, in our most tired, and Heavenly Father, we declare you are the answer. We know that you have the strength to continue to walk us through. So with every hand that's up, I declare a revival of spirit, strengthen their heart, encourage, encouragement to continue to press, knowing that there is light on the other side of what they're looking through because your light shines brighter than all, Heavenly Father. And Lord, because it's also Memorial Day, we ask you, receive those men and women. Receive those who may not have known you, those who may have been forgotten. Receive them into your kingdom. And peace for the families. Peace for the families who no longer get to see those smiling faces. Peace and happiness knowing that they are alongside you in a place without war, in a place full of peace. And thank you for the gift, the salvation you brought, but also the gift that they gave. We thank you, Lord, for all these things. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.